Okay, we are on Sefer Yirmiyahu, Perik Nun Beis, Pasuk Yud Beis of Achodesh HaChamishi. Uh, but before I begin, I would just point out, of course, that this is, Emir Hashem, the last shear in Sefer Yirmiyahu. We started our shear in Tanakh in general 433 shiurim ago, and in that time we have gone through Yoshua and Shoftim and Shmuel Aleph, Shmuel Beis, Malachim Aleph, Malachim Beis, Yeshayahu, Yirmiyahu, and in Mirza Hashem, there'll be no spring break, I want to announce. We are going to continue tomorrow and commence with Yechezkel. In any event, I would be totally lacking in Hakaras Hatov if I didn't thank Congregation Gevura, located here in the heart of the financial district in Wall Street, the Carfunkel family, my good friend Dovebear Ziskin, who have really given me every encouragement, every support in doing this. Um, both, I thank my Talmudim that are alive and the Talmudim who are on WhatsApp for their encouragement and support. And it's been something I cannot tell you how totally and completely I've enjoyed doing. I, I don't know what you've gotten out of it, but I, can, I think it's a safe bet I've gotten more out of it personally. In any event, Although we're going to start with Yud Beis, there's some hanging threads from yesterday's year I want to cover. But you know, we did describe that the invasion of Yerushalayim was in three separate phases. First came the encirclement, a siege. That took two and a half years. Then came the breach, the breaking in, which we normally have on Shavasa Batamuz. And then finally, the disastrous days of Tisha But I want you to go back just to Pasuk Vav for a second, and that describes the breaching of the city. And they fled. And it says it's That would place it in the ninth day of Tammuz. Well, we know we observe that breach on Shivasar Tammuz. So, how do we reconcile the two? The Gemara in Tanis Chaf Vav Amud Beis explains it pretty simply. The ninth day of Tammuz is the first Beis Hamikdash, the one we're reading about now. The 17th is the second base Hamikdash, Rome. And because it was a far more serious, devastating uh, Golas that resulted, so much so that we are still in it, they decided rather than make B'nai Israel fast ninth and then the 17th, they fixed the date on the 17th, as we're gonna see for good reason, because one, of course, it was a stronger disaster in their mind, but also the Gemara in Tanis, and if you will permit me to read it to you, shows that the Shavasa Batamas has traditionally been a disastrous day 
of mourning in our history. And so it was therefore even more appropriate to make it on the 17th. There's some of Chazal that say if a person wants to fast on both the 9th and the 17th, Zacholatov, he, he can do it if he wants, but it is not done as a rule, it is not recommended. Let me just read that Mishnah in Tanis. Chamisha Dvarim Iru Esavosenu Bishivasa Betamus. Five tragedies befell our Avos on the 17th. Chamisha Betishavov and five on Tishavov, but that is a separate matter. Bishivasa Betamus. On the seventh day of Thomas, Nishtabu Haluchos. Moshe broke the Luchos in his anger as he descended from Harsinai. Uvatel Tamid. The Tamid offering was discontinued in the base Hamikdash. We're not sure if that was perhaps even under Bavel or it was under Rome, but it was on Shivasaba Thomas. The Hemid Selem. They set up an, an Avodah Zorah right in the Beis Hamikdash. The Sorah Apodamus, Apodamus was a Greek who burned the Torah, who burned the, the main sacred Torah, was burned on Shivasah Batamas. So it became very naturally a day of national mourning, so that regardless of what it says the ninth, it means the 17th is when we observe it. Now to Yud Beis. Now the final chapter. Uvachodesh hachamishi in the fifth month for Asar lachodesh, the tenth of the month, which would be the tenth of Av. Hishnas Shaisrei, the nineteenth year Shana Melach Nebuchadnezzar Melach Bavel. That's his five nineteenth year. Nevuzardan Ban Nevuzardan Rav Hatabachim Amad Lutnei Melach Bavel B'Yerushalayim. He is now inside of Yerushalayim. By Yisro, and there, let's, let's just discuss that for a second. Is it the Tisha Lachodesh? Um, that would be, I'm sorry, we say it's the 10th above. In Malachim, it says it's the 7th of the month. We learned that in the Sachistanis, that it was the 7th above. In any case, it doesn't say the 9th. Where do we get Tisha above? And so, the Gemara tells us that most of the burning was in fact done on the 10th. In fact, Rabbi Yochanan says, if I were there, I would have decreed that it is celebrated, what we call Tisha B'Av, on the 10th of Av. That is not the case, because we hold that Hascholas Peronius Adifa, the beginning of the tragedy is the stronger part. It's true, lesser of the burning occurred on the 9th, but that's when it started, and so we do observe it on the 9th. Then, says the Navi, Veskolchomos Yerushalayim Savid Natsu, he burns all the walls of Yerushalayim. Kolchel Chastim Asheres Rav Tabachim, all the soldiers have now invaded and are on a terrible, destructive looting spree. And now they take the Dalos Ha'om. Remember, we've had previous exiles where the elite went, as we're going to discuss. 
that now he takes the remnants, the lower elements, I don't want to say they're the dregs, but in the Dallas Om, there's Yeser Om Hanisharim Ba'ir, those who remain in the city, Bahabaka, um, I'm sorry, those who had surrendered to Nebuchadnezzar previously, anyone else who was there, exiles to Bavel. What he does do, he leaves behind those who tend vineyards and those who plant. And it's a very narrow, selfish reason that he does it. It's, say, the Mephoshim, to assure a food supply for those garrisons of Babylonian troops he will leave behind. It's to assure a steady food supply. Now he sets about dismantling and destroying the Aaron Kodesh. The total, and I'm sorry, the entire base Hamikdash, looting the artifacts completely. And so we're going to get an inventory of that. The pillars of copper, Hashem that Shlomo had built, the lavers that the Kohanim washed their hands, those copper vessels, and the um, copper sea that Shlomo did for, uh, which was basically a mikvah there in the Chatzer. Uh, and what they do, notice they don't take it as intact treasures, as museum pieces at will. They take it to melt down the copper. They take the melted copper to Bavel. And it continues. There's Hasiros, the pots, and there's Hayoim, the shovels. There's Hamasmeros, the musical instruments of the temple. There's Hamasrekos, the bowls. There's Hakapos, the spoons. There's Kokli Hanachoshes, all the utensils that Kohanim use, Asher Yishur Subahem, that they utilize, they take. Again, they are taking and looting the temple, but not even bothering to take them as intact. Treasures, they're taking them as meltdown copper. They can't even be bothered. Continues. Ha'amudim shnayim hayom, those two pillars they take. Ha'amudim shnayim hayom echad v'habakar shneim osanachoshes asher tachas hamachonos. They take the um, candelabras, asher osamelech shlomo leves Hashem, there wasn't a scale. They couldn't measure it. There was no scale, say the Mephoshim, big enough to, to weigh all the copper they looted. They took uh, the pillars. I saw almost that were 10 Amos, Komas, Echad, the 12. Uh, Pillars, etc. Nothing is left. 
of your arba it's false now but they measured four almost the hoseras of the hoseras the crowns of top of a coma sacrosaurus the towers hoachas chamesh almost which were five almost ushvavav remolding the pomegranates the decorative pomegranates al hakatoras on the crowns savi called the hoseras made of copper and on the other column, the columns again of these beautifully decorative pomegranates. And continues by you are Rimonim Tishim Bishisha Rucho, there were 96 cubits, they were around and surrounded the netting of the base Hamikdash. And now you cannot overestimate the sadism, the lust, the bloodlust, the absolute ruthless, unnecessary killing that Sancheirev is about to do. We have met him before. He takes Shroyer Kohen, now the Kohen HaGadol, the Sefania Kohen HaMishneh, the second in command at the Kuna, Veshloshes Shomri Hasaf, these would be the custodians of the temple. Umina Ir from the city, Lokach Sarim Echad, the major Sar, Asher Hayopokiran Shemil Hamal, whose job literally was commanding or regulating the army. You can see, of course, there's a strategic element to that if you can destroy. Uh, the army. Then we continue um, uh, as and then six principles. These were men, obviously, maybe not dukes or nobles, but were political heavies, as it were, that made the decisions. He takes him by Yelech Osam and Melech Bavel Rivlasa. Remember, we've established that Nebuchadnezzar was at Rivlasa. He brings him to Rivlasa, which has got to be a thousand miles away. By Yake Osam Melech Bavel Vayamisein. Notice, by Yake and Vayamisein. He doesn't kill them. He tortures them to death in just absolutely mindless brutality. By Yamisein, by Rivla, by Eretz Hamas. And thus, Judea is exiled from its land. There are differences in the totals. Some could be at different times. He took them. But here's 3,000. 23 is the number. Eight hundred and thirty-two. In the third shift, totaling 100. This is after, after the killings, after the first exiles. Uh, these are the remnants he takes, leaving, as we say, the basic, the guys who do the vineyards and who do the growing of the harvest, basically as self-serving to the Babylonian army to provide them a food supply. And now, 
ויהי בשלושים ושבע שנה לגולס יויוכין. 37 years after the Golis of Yehoyachin, remember Yehoyachin is languishing in jail for 37 years. There are Melech Yehuda, no one in fact left. Melech Yehuda v'shneimas ha'chodesh v'eshem v'chamishol ha'chodesh nosa evil marodach Melech Bavel v'shnas ma'chuso Rosh Yehoyachin Melech Yehuda v'yotzeyu oto mibes haklu, etc. Now, overnight, after the brutality of Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dies. Again, they're even under mysterious circumstances, and in this place, Evel Merodach reigns. There's a disparity of the time, and the Medrash tells us a fascinating story that Evel Merodach was tricked once by mistake when Nebuchadnezzar went off on a psychotic binge and joined the animals, lived with the animals. And so Evel Merodach declared himself as king. Nebuchadnezzar comes back and he wants to kill Evel Merodach, who escapes his clutches. So here the delay in time is because he wanted to make sure his father Nebuchadnezzar was dead. And what he does is gets his body and drags him through the streets of Yerushalayim, a brutal, humiliating end for Nebuchadnezzar at the hands of his son. And now what he does, he goes to the prison where for 37 years, Yo-Yochin has been languishing. We saw yesterday after the death of Nebuchadnezzar, Yehoyakim is released for one day, and given one day because he dies the day after and is given full military honors, Yehoyachin is taken out from prison. Now, he speaks to him goodness. He gives him tremendous kavod, as you're going to see. He elevates Yehoyachin's throne above all the other kings. There were other kings in the coalition. There were other kings, maybe prisoners. He is now king among kings in Bava. This is overnight. Vishina is big day kilo. He takes his prison guard, garb. He is treated as an honored guest at the king's table. Tamid Kalyamechayav. For the rest of his life, he is given the honor of, you want to say, sitting at the king's right, eating at the king's table, whatever it is, he is prima inter pares, the first among equals, exalted among other kings. Baruch so Aruch HaStamid, he is fed constantly, Nisnalo in the Yismel HaBavel, given to him, by the king of Bavel, to our Yom B'yomo, each day, ad Yomo so, kol yimei chayav. Each day for the rest of his life, he enjoys this exalted position. Two things. We do learn, by the way, that Yehoyachin does tshuva in prison, the Gemara tells us, and 
we saw all his children were wiped out, which would normally seem to mean the end of the Davidic dynasty, contrary to all assurances, we are told. And then he fathers another child, and that child will turn out to be Zerubbabel, fully legitimate heir to the Davidic throne, who leads the people back. The point you want to conclude on here, and the Mepharshim grab it, that here at the lowest moment in our Jewish national history in Bavel, exiled, killed, destroyed, discriminated, suddenly our king is elevated to the highest position. Overnight, it changes, and that's the message they want to leave us with at the end of Yirmiyahu, that um, you don't know how the Kaddish Baruch Hu works, and now we will see that it is probably going to be, if not the greatest golos ever, certainly a golos of Torah, a golos of Kavod, a golos of Malchus. One last word, the Sefer Hasidim, it has been difficult here, Mio. 54 prakim of difficulty, and it's tough to follow. Sefer Hasidim says it is incumbent upon us to take the prakim, the safers that nobody really wants to learn, or the mesechtas that nobody wants to bother with, or the mitzvahs that people don't want to do, and concentrate on those mitzvahs, those prakim, because that is where the true mitzvah is. It's like doing a mace mitzvah, where you take it, enhance it, and in Mirza Hashem, that should be what we have done in your Mio, and it should be a symbol for many, many more prakim to come, and. I thank again everybody, and again may this chapter symbol a Biaskol Sedek and Bimhera, the rebuilding of the third base Hamikdash, which we will discuss in detail in Yecheskel, Adkan, 8.45 a.m. tomorrow. Yeah.